It is the bye week. Pokes are 3-0 entering the break and in the top 10. Welcome to the Believe in OK State podcast. I am your host, Megan Robinson, and I am joined today by OSU legend Rashawn Woods. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we get into your career, what are sort of your overall thoughts about the Pokes this season? First of all, I just want to say they dropped a spot after a 63-7 to win in the AP polls. What, what do you think that was about? You know, a lot of times that, you know, it's, it has a lot to do with uh, maybe the other teams and how they performed. Um, the Cowboys definitely did what they were supposed to do. And so I don't think it's any fault to them. Uh, it's just a situation this early in the season and other teams doing well uh, kind of brought that up, upon us. I don't think a Kentucky 31 to 0 win over Youngstown State was more impressive than 63 to 7, but I don't get a vote. So what what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> so on Friday, you were part, one of five people inducted into Oklahoma State's Hall of Honor, first class since 2011. What was your reaction when you got the call? Man, I was just thankful uh, that uh, I had a chance to be recognized, and really it was an opportunity for me uh, to give thanks to the people that uh, helped me get to that point, right? It was a lot of people, a lot of coaches that uh, really, really helped me uh, achieve that goal and be as great as I was. And so uh, to have the opportunity to uh, express that to them, to others, uh, was was definitely a, a good situation for me. And for those who might not be as familiar with his career accolades, I'm just going to list a few off quickly. Two-time first-team All-American. In 2002, you led the NCAA in touchdown receptions, and you still hold the records at Oklahoma State with 293 catches, 4,414 yards, and 42 touchdowns. So that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you have accomplished so much at Oklahoma State. But in your opinion, what is your most memorable play as a Cowboy? Uh, just really just the guys. I mean, I don't know if there's any one play, you know, I know, uh, the 16, 13 victory is, is definitely up there and it's the one that I'm probably reminded about the most. Uh, but you know, when I were, when I remember that season and remember the year after, uh, just really the, you know, the discipline and the camaraderie, you know, the whole year in general, uh, was really a special year for all of us. And so I, when I think about that game, I also think about uh, the mornings, uh, the uh, the the late tutoring sessions and, and the guys and all the fun that we had in preparation for those opportunities. So a lot of great memories there. And, you know, they're just they, it makes it even better when you're having memories of, of winning and having success. You mentioned the 1613. That was obviously the iconic Bedlam win in 2001, correct? Yes. So. It just was officially announced. I personally was not surprised that Bedlam is no more once OU joins the SEC. But I just have to ask, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? You know, I still think that that game is is important for Oklahoma. And I think that down the road, they may return to it. But with everything that happened and how, you know, Oklahoma and Texas left, you've got to think that, you know, there's definitely some bridges that were temporarily burned there. And so... Uh, it's no surprise to me. Uh, there are probably still some admins there that are just not too happy with how everything went down uh, because it put a lot of universities in bad situations. I really felt like uh, that was a, a move in which people were kind of looking out for themselves and uh, put other teams and other programs, you know, in jeopardy, which is, you know, hey, I, I, I kind of understand it a little bit, but. When you're on the other side of that deal, you know, it's not something that you uh, are going to be very happy about. And so, unfortunately, 
I think all of that and probably some other things had a lot to do with uh, that game not continuing. Non-conference schedules also come out years in advance. I think we have a late 2020-something, 2027 game with Alabama. We have like a 2035 game already scheduled with Colorado. So I also think that that's part of it, that these non-conference games are already scheduled. So were you surprised when they're like, it's officially no more? Or did you expect that to sort of be the case? You know, it's funny when people say that, you know, there's nothing they can really do. And typically, you know, that's never really the case. You know, there's a lot of teams and a lot of, you know, games that aren't necessarily set in stone. I get that, especially the marquee games. Are, you kind of you want to get those. You have a chance to get those way out in the non-conference. But, you know, there's games, for instance, in the situation with uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, there's availability there that both schools may want to hold for those caliber type teams. And so you could potentially put your program at risk if you put another marquee matchup, you know, in your non-conference and end up being, you know, hey, those particular teams can go top 10 in your first three games and uh, can put set you back or can put you in a situation to to really excel. But, man, there's a lot of risk involved when you're playing an Alabama team and then you've also got the Sooners coming to town the next week, right? And it's so hard. By that time, it'll probably be a 12-team playoff. But uh, still, not something you want to have on a resume. If Even if you split those games, it you know it could make it tougher down the road. But if you drop both of them, obviously, that's not the best thing. And I think having not – I wouldn't call them lesser teams, but less marquee or not as marquee games, you know, can kind of ensure that you can get out of there for the most part in a good place whether you win that big game or not and still be two and one, which is, I think, what most uh, teams want to do before they start into league play. That all makes sense. You don't want to start the season in a hole that you can't climb out of. Yeah, that's right. So I think it was against Arizona State. The 2002 team was their 20th anniversary and they were honored. Were you able to make it back for that game? Yeah, yeah. I, I try and make it uh, to every game. I do the radio with uh, the sports animal every game, the home game. So uh, I had a chance to see all my former players and former teammates and um, the entire receiving group was there. And that was so nice to be able to see those guys, man. We had so much fun um, uh, getting to know each other. And it was a strong friendship there amongst all of us. And now, you know, we're all old dads for the most part. And, um, you know, some of us look like, you know, we hadn't aged a day. And, you know, those guys like me, unfortunately, that may put on maybe a couple pounds, uh, and, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. But, you know, everybody seemed to be uh, uh, pretty happy and doing really well for the most part. And, and it was so good uh, to see those guys. Had you guys, all all of you, the whole receiver group, have you been together since 2002 or was that the first time? Uh, 2001, let's see. I think we were together in 2001 and 2002. So those two years, uh, we were all, the guys before me, like Willie Young and and, and John Lewis and, and T.D. Bryant. Uh, Gabe Lindsay was another guy. You know, those two years together, or maybe even three, we were we were in there. We were we were in it together, right? So uh, they were a year older than me. And and I remember my brother, but there was a not a maybe a lull in receivers the year after me. And so, you know, I just remember those guys because they really uh helped me along and and they were uh, really nice and really nice and good friends to me. That's awesome that you guys all got to got to be together again. That's right. So you also you're now a well after after 
Oklahoma State, you spent some time in the NFL. So what was that experience like for you? You know, it was a uh, it was a good experience outside of, uh, you know, the injuries. Um, you know, I ended up uh, my career was cut uh, abruptly short just because of uh, ongoing injuries that, you know, for me, I never experienced any type of adversity like that. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it brought it into my career uh, a lot earlier than I wanted it to. Uh, but the experience overall, uh, the people, the, the way programs are ran, uh, it was nice to be a part of that. Uh, it was definitely eye-opening. It's different, uh, for sure. Uh, it's not always guaranteed that, you know, programs will be ran the same way or similar than they are in, in college, but uh, definitely a learning experience for me and and something that I'll never forget. You now coach at the high school level, so you've played at the highest level. You're now a high school coach. What is your advice to kids who want to one day get to the NFL? You know, anybody that wants to be very good at something, you know, typically my guys, I tell them every day is that, you know, except, you know, people being critical of your performance and, you know, what you do every single day, because the moment that you are critical with yourself and you are critical with your performance and really anything that you do is the moment that you can start to grow. You know, there are a lot of guys that want and women that want to hear how good they are. They don't want to necessarily attack, you know, their flaws every single day because that's extremely hard to do and it's hard to hear. Uh, but the moment that you can get over yourself, so to speak, and allow uh, people that you care about or that care about you uh, to push you to be better and actually respond in a positive way to that, you're on your way to being very good at anything that you decide to do in life. I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't think anyone loves criticism, but I really enjoy constructive criticism because I know that I'm not perfect. So if someone can point out, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, it'll be a lot better at this. So I, I appreciate that that bit of advice from you. Yeah. So I want to I want to transition and talk about this year's team. So far, as I said earlier, they're three and zero. They're looking pretty good. I've seen a lot of positives. I mean, Spencer Sanders has been balling this year. The offense is looking pretty good. What word would you use to describe the Oklahoma State offense this season? You know, offensively, you know, you talk about Spencer Sanders. He, he You hear Coach Gundy talk about when is the game going to slow down for his guys, right? And early on, you know, he was kind of waiting on that moment. I think that moment happened for him last year. Uh, he looks phenomenal out there. He knows where to go with the ball, uh, and he's extremely comfortable. Uh, and not only he, is he uncomfortable – uh, the coaching staff are comfortable with his ability to get the job done consistently. I mean, you can see it in the play calling. Um, you can tell that they have extreme confidence in him. Uh, the offensive line is solid, right? You don't hear a lot of negatives about this offensive line. Last year it was a lot of injuries and a lot of things that went on. The year before that, it was a COVID year. Uh, and so um, just stability in the offense. It's more consistent. Uh, than it was, I think, last year. And uh, those are all positives for the Cowboys moving forward, I think. I think the offensive line is one of the more experienced groups. I think they returned all but two people. So I think that that was a huge help for the O-line this year. And just a couple notes on Spencer Sanders. He has 27 career wins, so he trails only Mike Gundy and Mason Rudolph. And six more wins, he will own the school record for career wins as a quarterback here, which is which is pretty impressive. And then just some other people on the offense, Braden Johnson has kind of emerged and Dom Richardson, 
Um, so they have, they have a lot of different starts. What about, what are your thoughts on receivers as a f- former receiver? You know, you've seen some good, big things from, uh, JP, you've seen some things from Braden and where do you think, do you think that someone will emerge as the top receiver? Do you think we'll sort of see this shared spread offense situation? Uh, you know, there's a lot of receivers in that room that are really good. I think that it's the best receiving room that Oklahoma state has had in a long time. Okay. They don't necessarily have what you would call a marquee guy. Right. You know, to, you, when you look at them in the past, you look at the Justin Blackman, a Des Bryant, a, you know, a, and those kind of names. Right. But Rashawn. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily that you got a lot of solid guys that are good at their that, that are really good. And then, you know, Johnson is just, you know, he's a guy who's physically can get the job done and he's the guy that's making plays right now. Uh, he may very well be that guy. But, you know, the Presley, J.P. Richardson and the other guys are, can go out and, and, and very well make an extremely – have a good day, right? And Johnson doesn't necessarily have to go out and catch eight balls every game or go over 100 yards because they've got six or seven guys that, you know, can really make plays for this offense. And um, the, the, the steadiness of it all is, is what impresses me the most. How challenging is that type of offense for a defense to prepare for? Extremely challenging. And then you add on the top, on, on, on top of that, that they're going fast. Anybody can beat you. You know, anybody can catch the ball and, and turn it into, you know, a 20 yard game. Right. I mean, it's, it's extremely impressive when it doesn't matter who you throw the ball to. You know, I, I think I, I looked at a stat that it was eight to 13 people that touched the ball last game. I mean, it's, uh, anytime that that's happening and they're spreading the ball around like that, you know, that's a good situation. It, it, it helps build morale in the, in the receiving room because everybody knows they're going to get an opportunity. Uh, and it, like you said, it makes defense, it makes it tough on defenses to uh, know who they need to key on, key in on. I think it was week one too. I read that there were Spencer Sanders threw a pass to 11 different receivers and a touchdown to four, which is, yeah. that's crazy. Exactly. And exactly. I going into the season, everyone's like, who's going to replace Tay Martin? And it's like, well, I think we have four or five people who could step into those shoes. Right. That's right. And I, you know, and I didn't think that, uh, you know, that, that Johnson was going to be the guy that was going to do that, you know, and the guy who I thought was going to be Bray and he hadn't even played yet. Imagine that, you know, he's still, you know, uh, uh, he's still coming back off the of injury. And so what he's added to the mix you know, where he falls in that deal is it's going to be interesting how they try and navigate, you know, so many playmakers on that offense. I thought it was going to be Brendan Presley. I was expecting him, but I think it's awesome that you're kind of each week, it could be someone new. So who do you watch, which keeps it exciting right. too, as a fan. Exactly. And then on, quickly on the other side of the ball, the defense has nine sacks so far this season. And the big question mark entering 2022 was the linebackers. But I mean, overall, the defense has been pretty impressive. I mean, they had three sacks last game, I think it was. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Trace Ford coming back, he's a he's a first day draft pick level player and he's been out for two years. OK, you add in that Colin Oliver, who's not even the starter. Right. Is the freshman player of the year that's coming in as a rush in that's getting after the quarterback. But you haven't had heard a ton about him, but uh, he's still a guy that, wow, can really, really make plays. I, I just think that overall, the defensive line front is a lot like how the receivers are. Oklahoma State overall has done such a great job in recruiting those defensive linemen that they've got a guy that can specialize in a rush, that can be a run stopper, and so on and so forth. They've got multiple guys up there that have their own role 
that if another team decides to try and go no huddle, that they can platoon those guys in and be fresh and ready to go for an entire 100 plays that they need to on defense. Yeah, the the word I keep using to describe the defense this season is scary. And you mentioned Trace Ford, and he was actually named the Big Twelve Special Player Team of Special Teams Player of the Week um, for it was his first ever Big Twelve Weekly Honor, and he blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. I was shocked when I read that it was his first ever Big Twelve Weekly Honor because I feel like he's been such a name that you recognize and a, per- a person to watch on Oklahoma State's defense. That's right. I mean, he exploded his first year out there. And then unfortunately, the next two years with the injuries, you know, you're thinking to yourself, well, how much better can they be when their top guy is out? And well, they're answering that with uh, with the obvious sign of, oh, we're going to be even better. Thank you. Thanks for worrying. (laughs) We are on a bye this week, but. Big 12 play will start the following week, October 1st. Right now, OSU, OU, Iowa State, and Kansas are the only 3-0 and teams unbeaten in the Big 12. Who do you think is going to take the Big 12 this year? Well, obviously, you know, Oklahoma State is a front runner for me. You know, if I got on here on an OSU um, <laughs> deal and didn't say that, uh, you know, I man. Who wow, do you think they'll play? <laughs> Who will they play for to win the Big 12 title? <laughs> you know, OU is still formidable. You know, I, I think um, um, that I don't think athletically or talent wise they were or what they were last year. Um, I think the Gabriel kid is really good, but you know he's not the guys that they had last year. You know, that's just that's just the bottom line. Uh, receiver wise, I think Mims is pretty good, but he's not a CD Lamb caliber guy, right? And so, um, but. You know, that's not where they can beat you up front is where they really excel on both the offense and defensive lines. And uh, if you can match that, um, any team in the Big 12 can match that, then they have a chance of beating on you. But if you can't, uh, just like anybody else, uh, it's the big guys up front that win football games for you. And if you don't have them, it doesn't matter how good your skill guys are. And so uh, because of that, OU is always up there uh, because of the great job that they continue to do recruiting. Uh, and, you know, obviously Kansas is a surprise. I'm not going to say because they're 3-0 and right now uh, that they're a Big 12 contender. Okay, but for them, they're in a great place when you consider how tough it's been the last 10 years for them. I'm honestly, I'm I'm loving the Kansas story. I think it's so great because every year you're like, oh, that's a win. Check it, you know put that in the win column and I'm loving seeing the success. And I do think that going up into Lawrence later this season, OSU needs to be on upset alert. We've seen it at Iowa state. We've seen those games where you just kind of break down a little bit. So I would say, I'm not saying that they're going to lose to Kansas. I said, just go in ready to play that game. That's my thought. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of parody in the league. And so, you know, even when they were down, Kansas would scare some, you know, would scare some people. And so, and they've been down a long time. And so, it is very scary when a team that hasn't been winning starts to get a little success. And so you're exactly right. Um, you, you better come ready to play every game in this league. Um, definitely one of the top three leagues, I would say, probably in college football. And again, no game this week. It is the bye week. So you won't be having to do any radio. So what are your plans? <laughs> You know, we play uh, We play on Friday. We go down to Jinx uh, and play uh, those guys. Uh, very, very good football team. And, and then afterwards, I'm thinking about maybe going to the lake or maybe just hanging out. I mean, I, football season for me, just like everybody that's coaching it, it's, it's a grind. And so when I get a day off, 
like a Saturday and I don't have to go to the game, I'm going to find something to do that does not take much effort. So um, that is my plan. Well, that's awesome. Good luck on Friday. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat Oklahoma State football. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I appreciate you all listening to the Believe in OK State podcast. New episodes every Thursday. Once again, he's Rashawn Woods. I'm Megan Robinson. Thanks for listening. Go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.